Yes, people! Woo! A little runaways action for you. And this is a runaway episode. It's a two-parter, people, because we have so much stuff to cover. But as we do, we're going to start off with the UK box office top 10 for the weekend of the 9th to the 11th of July. At number 10, people, we have got another road. So, uh, yeah, this has been um, floating around the charts for a little while. And um, it is from, oh gosh, Thomas Vinterberg. So at number nine, we have Christopher Landon's new film, Freaky. At number eight, it's still in the top ten, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, from Michael Chaves. Which means at number seven, we've covered it in an episode from a few weeks back. It is Patrick Hughes' sequel, The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. So that means we are at number six, people. It is the prequel from Craig Gillespie, Cruella. Starring Emma Stone as the titular character. So now we get into this week's top, top five. And in at number five, well, sticking at number five, it's In the Heights from John M. Chu and Lin Manuel Medina. At number four, I know, I still haven't got around to seeing it, but I will. It's A Quiet Place 2 from John Krasinski. Show at number three. It is Will Glock's Peter Rabbit 2. Which means at number two, Fast and the Furious 9 from Justin Lin. So, in at number one, straight out the Gate and people, I can understand why, right? We talk about it this week. It is Kate Shortland's Black Widow. So, before we get into this week's action, people, we got a little bit of um, information for you to mark in your calendars, and then we're going to get into uh, part one of this week's films. Cherry Bomb! <laughs> Alright, buckle up, people. Okay, horror fans, mark 
Thursday the 12th of August in your calendars That is right because Shudder AMC Network's premium streamer for horror, thriller and the supernatural Have announced that the new event series Slasher Flesh and Blood Starring horror legend David Cronenberg Bum, bum, bum. Will exclusively stream on the service in the US, Australia and New Zealand Beginning Thursday, August the 12th With two episodes followed by new episodes streaming each week The series follows a wealthy, dysfunctional family That gathers for a reunion on a secluded island only to learn they'll be pitted against one another in a cruel game of life and death. Ooh. All while being stalked by a mysterious masked killer. Nothing is what it seems, and no one is safe as detention and body count ratchets up. The eight-episode event series stars Cronenberg alongside cast members from previous installments of the slasher franchise in brand new roles including Paula Brancati, Jefferson Brown, Patrice Goodman, Sabrina Gregevich and Christopher Jackot. Right, so um yeah, adding to the cast will also be Rachel Crawford, Jenna Guzan, Sydney Meyer and Alex Ogerola. So um there you have it people. There you have it. You know slasher flesh and blood is like knives out done by John Carpenter and takes the slasher franchise to a new level with a gripping and scary story about family secrets, intrigue, murder and legacy. Um, we're incredibly lucky to have David Cronenberg, an icon of the genre, giving a standout performance as the fearsome, intimidating patriarch of the Galloway family, who sets the tone for the shocking twists, crazy mysteries, and total mayhem that's to come. Shudder members won't want to miss a single episode of this incredible event series And that is from Shudder General Manager Craig Engler I mean, he, he won't steer you wrong No, but seriously, everything on Shudder is great I, mean, I, I don't think there's anything I haven't enjoyed yet So, yeah, I think this will be worth watching So, people... The 12th of August, mark it down. Okay, horror fads, July is looking to be a great month. If you have Shudder, and if you're a horror fad and you don't, are you really a horror fad? <laughs> That's the question to ask people. So, during July, they uh, will have four new premieres streaming on the uh, platform and exclusive films, as well as a bumper collection of classical 
Brooks joining the library. So with the um, the new films, the premieres on the eighth of July is the first, and we have Sun hitting the network. So. In Sun, a mysterious group breaks into Laura's home and attempts to abduct her eight-year-old son, David. The two of them flee town in search of safety, but soon after the failed kidnapping, David becomes extremely ill, suffering from increasing psychosis and convulsions. Following her maternal instincts, Laura commits unspeakable acts to keep him alive, but soon she must decide how far she is willing to go to save her son. It is written and directed by Ivan Kavanagh, um, and it stars Andy Matak, um, Emily Hirsch, and Luke David Bloom. So the following week on the 15th of July, we see The Toll. Right, so this is directed by Michael Nadar. And it's starring Jordan Hayes, Max Toplin, James McGowan and Rosemary Dunsmore. And the film is... About this, when a young woman and her rideshare driver break down on a dark forest road, each sees the other as a threat. A strange phenomena begin occurring around them. They gradually realize they've become trapped in the world of a terrifying supernatural being. The Toll Man. Da 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 da. Ooh, sounds a bit ominous, right? Then, on the 22nd of July, we have Kandisha. So, it is summer break and best friends Emil, Benito and Morgana hang together with other neighborhood teens. Nightly, they are fun sharing scary stories and urban legends. But when Emile is is assaulted by her ex, she remembers the story of Kandisha, a powerful and vengeful demon. Afraid and upset, Emile summons her. The next day, her ex is found dead. The legend is true and now Kandisha is on a killing spree and it's up to the three girls to break the curse. This is directed by uh, Julian Mori and Alexandra Mustilio, and it is starring Mathilde Lamus, Samarakand Sadi, and Susie Mema. Then on the 29th of July and ending the run of premieres is The Boy Behind the Door. So, this is directed by David Carbona and Justin Powell. It is starring Looney Chavis, Ezra Dowie. 
Christed Bayer Vad Stratton, Scott Michael Foster, and Mitch Hoptman. And the gist of the piece is this. A night of an imaginable terror awaits 12-year-old Bobby and his best friend Kevin when they are abducted on their way home from school. Managing to escape his confines, Bobby navigates the dark halls, praying his presence goes unnoticed as he avoids his captor at every turn. Even worse is the arrival of another stranger, whose mysterious arrangement with the kidnapper may spell certain doom for Kevin. With no means of calling for help and miles of dark country in every direction, Bobby embarks on a rescue mission, determined to get himself and Kevin out alive. Or die trying. Woo! And, um, yeah, Carbona and Powell also write the piece. So, they're your premieres. But also, adding to the ever-expanding library of horror classics is Lake Mungo and Dawn of the Dead, which hit on the 1st of July. On the sixth will be the little girl who lives down the lane, Terror Train, and Death Ship. Then on the seventh comes Basket Case 1, 2, and 3. As well as the 74 version of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. On the twelfth we have Messiah of Evil. Carnival of Souls, Straight Edge Kegger, Dead and Buried, and Blackwater. On the 13th, White Girl and Separation. Then on the 19th, she's allergic to cats, They're Inside, and Sadistic Intentions. On the 20th, Mass Hysteria. And Rot On the 26th It is Etheria the series The 2020 edition Then They remain Faults And follow So people There is a lot To look forward to in July But you gotta have Shudder to be able To partake so, what are you waiting for, people? Go get some shudder into your life. Oh, people, some more festival information for you. The Etheria Film Night have announced that they will be streaming, right, their 2021 official short films showcase lineup exclusively on Shudder starting from Friday the 25th of June all the way through to the 25th of July. 
This year's festival, the world's most respected annual showcase of horror, science fiction, fantasy action and thriller films directed by women will feature nine short films and honour the Walking Dead showrunner and executive producer Angela Kang with the 2021 Aetheria Inspiration Award. Given annually to a person in the entertainment industry who has inspired women to pursue careers working in genre film and television. Producer Gail Ann Hard will present the award to Kang with the ceremony included as part of the official Aetheria 2021 content streaming on Shudder. The 2021 lineup has come has some of the funniest things we've ever programmed alongside some of the darkest and most disturbing things we've ever programmed. And that is from Etheria Director of Programming, Heidi Honeycott. Mm-hmm. Right, so, um, yeah, she also says, and we're so happy to be screening on Shudder for the second year in a row. Dum-dum-dum. Right, so, um, yeah, people, I mean, do you really want to miss all of this? You know, Gaywa and Heard says, the Aetheria Film Festival is the preeminent forum showcasing the many talented women working in the genre field. As The Walking Dead's first female showrunner, Angela Kang has proven herself to be a visionary in the horror sci-fi medium, and she is also one of the most talented people working in television today. <laughs> yeah, you know, and Kang says, as a lifelong fan of horror, sci-fi, fantasy, action and thrillers, I am truly humbled to be in the company of the incredible women of Etheria, um, and who have been honoured over the years with their inspiration award, not least the incomparable Gail and Hurd. I am on a trail she blazed and loved that Etheria is showcasing new genre films created by women who want to travel the same exhilarating path. So, um, yeah, there you have it, people. It is, uh, it is going to be coming at you, which uh, should be fun. Right, some of those films that will be screening, okay... Uh, we've got The Fourth Wall. This is directed by Kelsey Bowling. Um, we've got Narrow, directed by Anna Chazelle. Have You Will Never Be Back from Monica Matteo. Booster Strapped from Katy Aaron. Uh, Misfits from Kayani Ray Walker. The Grey from Myra Aquino. Paula Votron 500 from Sylvia Concia. Eye Exam from Aslim Clark. And Who Goes There from Astrid Forvladson. <laughs> 
You know, so um, hey, looks like it is gonna be a fun uh festival, people. So go check out the Ethereal website and remember. It will start Friday the 25th of June, running all the way to the 25th of July, exclusively on Shudder. Okay, people, so that's all the information. Hope you marked it down. Now we're getting into our first batch of films. So, people, uh, yeah. Sit down, get your popcorn, let's go! Yo, I've got to say, it's really easy to forget interesting information, you know what I mean? And, um, yeah, I had forgotten that Netflix had acquired R.L. Stein's, um, you know, trilogy, Fear Street, you know what I mean? I, like, I remember it was one of those things that, um... Came up in Disney's acquisition of 20th Century Fox. Right? There were certain films that got scrapped. Certain ones that, um, you know, they kept. And certain ones that had either been finished or were in, you know what I mean, pre, like, real far into pre-production. That went to other places. And the Fear Street ones were ones that had... Right, and I think the interesting thing of it all was the fact that they were going to get released in quick succession. And when you think about films, right, usually a tr- you know, especially with a trilogy, you wait a year. Remember Lord of the Rings, man, just like The Hobbit, any big trilogy, it's usually. They usually make it that you you wait a year in between. Sometimes it's two, but you want quick succession, right? So, that could have been the case with this. I think the only time we have had films, like, kind of close together were the last two Matrix films, which I do believe came in the same year. Like, one at the very beginning, one at the very end. I believe it was something like that with those, right? So, the fact that Netflix were going to put these out, I believe it's in a two-week window, right? The 2nd, the 9th, and the 16th. Yeah, two weeks. All right, boom, boom, boom. Yeah, that's an interesting one. It's an interesting one. Now, some people have kind of indicated that it wouldn't work in the cinema. Now, I think it would, right? As fe- look, if a film is solid, people will come back for the next part, right? So that's all you. That's what you need to bank on. That your film is solid enough to draw people back. And I think if that's the case, right? As long as you release them in a window. That isn't jammed with mega hits. Because 
if you've already got huge other films coming out as well, yeah, there is a limit on your resources, right? You, your cinema is not the cheap date or just the cheap outing which it used to be, right? It's expensive now. So, yeah, if there are huge films coming out, releasing a trilogy, it's going to be a bit tough. But you pick a window, right? You pick a period where there's not a lot, it will work. And um, so, yes, the first installment hit on the 2nd of July. And that was Fear Street, part one, 1994. Okay, so, um, yes, right, so it's based on R.L. Stein's series of books. Oh, and if you think you recognise the name, motherfucker did the goosebump shit, right? Did the goosebump shit. Now, I, I, I didn't... I'm not a huge fan of the goosebump shit, but I know it is hugely popular. And it's, you know, it's aimed at a, a younger audience. So there is that, right? So he um, wrote the initial book. And the story was adapted by Kyle Killen, um, Phil Grazadi. And Lee Janik, right? And the screenplay was then written by Grazadi and Janik. And Janik also, she directed the piece, right? It's produced by Peter Sherman, Gino Topping, and David Reddy. Uh, cinematography is Caleb Heyman. It's edited by Rachel Godlet Counts. Music is from Marco Beltrami and Marcus Trump. And um, the cast, well, we have got um, Maya Hawke, she plays Heather. Uh, we've got David W. Thompson as Ryan Torres. I mentioned them because, yeah, they're, they're, they're um, two people we meet straight away. We then have got Dina, played by Kiana Madeira. Uh, Josh, her brother, played by Benjamin Flores Jr., uh, we've got Samantha play or or Sam, yeah. We we know her as Sam at the very very beginning, right? And that's play. She's played by Olivia Scott Welsh. Uh, we've got best friends Kate and Simon, and that's Kate is Julia Rawwood, and Simon is Fred. Hetchinger. Um, we also have Nick Good, played by Ashley Zuckerman. Martin, played by Daryl Britt Gibson. Um, Mrs. Lane, played by Jordana Spiro. Uh, Ruby Lane, play, played by um, Jordan DeNatalie. Um, Oh, a big um, 
yeah, I, I feel a big person that definitely needs to be mentioned is Sarah Fire, who is played by Elizabeth Scopol. So yeah, that's our that's our cast. Oh, I we've got C. Berman played by Gillian Jacobs, and um, Peter played by Jeremy Ford. Right. Uh so the story. <laughs> well, 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 people. Um, it's uh, basically we're following a group of teenagers in Shadyville, Ohio, who are terrorized by an ancient evil responsible for a series of brutal murders that have plagued the town for centuries. Yeah, it's a little creepy. It is a little creepy, you know? 300 years this terror has seems to stalk the town. Now, it all starts, and this is why I, you know, I started off with uh, Heather and um, Ryan. Right, because we start off in a bookshop, right? And it's a, it's a, like an interesting one, right? Because we have a, a woman, she go, she's got a book and the girl behind the ta- counter, Heather, he's like, oh, I really like this one, good choice. And the woman's just like, ugh, no, it's trash. But I'm picking it up for my daughter. So, but, which, you know, I, I, I kind of feel that is the little kind of, you know what I mean? It's a little playful interaction, because, yeah, it's like the, you know, these glossy covered, trashy kind of books, right, like your Mills and Boone, you know, they they regurgitate so many a year, right, and it's kind of that kind of nod at that, right, and fresh friend turns up, and shocks her, and she's like, ah, you know, what are you doing? What are you doing? And we keep on seeing these little, so there's these little things, right? And we're like, oh, what's this? Oh, what's this? And nothing. But then all of a sudden, boom, it all goes crazy. It all goes crazy. There's a killer. And, um, yeah, it turns out the killer is not, right? So we we have all of this. And then we jump and we're with um with Dina and her brother. Right? She's depressed, she's split up with her, with Sam. Right, she's split up with Sam. And I, I do think as well the way they play all of that, right? That I think it's making you think we're going one way, but, oh, all of a sudden, Sam is actually, you know what I mean, it's just like, ah, okay, okay, and it's not a big thing, but it's just, I think it's just that little thing to keep you on your toes, right, to keep you like, okay, you might think this, but actually this, you know what I'm saying, I think that's what that seemed to be doing, anyway, for me, and yeah, and, and so our story starts to play out, right? Everyone's meeting up to mourn the death of um, you know, 
the, the, the this young girl in the bookshop, right? Some of the other employees in the mall, and then the fact that yeah, the killer gets killed as well, right? So you know they they it's it's a football game. So they before the game they have this big thing just to you know pay homage to the slain few. And that does not go well. <laughs> it doesn't go well. But in that interaction, we learn about Deanne, Deanna and Sam. So we get that whole situation and find out what happened there. But that's when the film really kicks off. Really kicks off. And I liked it. I really liked it. You know, I, I, I do believe what we usually get, right, what we usually get with these kind of teen slasher films is this, um, <laughs> look how smart we are, right? We saw it with Scream, and ever since Scream, everyone wants to, you know, rub their nose, you know, be like, listen, this is dumb, these are the cliches, we are showing you the cliches, we're making fun of the cliches, and we're doing this with the story, because we're clever, we're smart, and I think that works once or twice, right, but it becomes a bit tired when that is the USP of the film. USP. Unique selling point people. If you don't know. And uh, yeah. This doesn't do that. Right. I like the fact that. What this film does. It. Kind of. in Instead of. Right. Having those moments. And you're like. What are you doing? Like don't do. It, it kind of like. Like. No, actually, we shouldn't, right? There's a there's a point when they're like, I think you go this way and I'll go that way, and the, and Josh turns around to um, Simon. He's just like, um, no, <laughs> I do not think it's a good idea for us to split up right now, you know. And you're like, ah, good, 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 because normally yeah they split up and then people get picked off and you're just like, oh. What is happening? You know, so, like, there's a lot of that in here, right? Where some films would go, just take an easy route and go in a direction. This one doesn't do that. Now, look, not to say there aren't those, um, there aren't some cliches in here. There are cliches, right? The dork gets the girl, you know, things like that, right? Of relationships that spring up, and you're like, huh? You know, because you see no, there's no indication of this thing that should happen, and you're like, how is that happening? That doesn't make any sense, and and so we get that, but it's not jam packed full of these moments, I would say. And any time it feels that we're going in a direction, we definitely course correct. 
know, and um, yeah, so I I enjoyed the the way they play with the story here. You know, it's like, yeah, the idea of the story, it is, you know, because it's it's well, it's horror. And they're playing on this mythos and these legends and things like that. So, yes, there is stuff that you're like, um, is that believable? Do we do we really think that would happen? Right? There is that. But what they do with it, oh, man, I enjoyed the fuck out of that. Because they take this thing, they take this concept, and they throw you through this, these loops, right? So... First of all, it's just like, oh, is it because of this, right? And then you work out, oh, no, they got that wrong. But then they work out, oh, okay. Oh, I think this is the case. And I have to say, the plan that they throw together was pretty kick-ass. You know what I mean? I, I enjoyed the fuck out of that. I enjoyed the fuck out of that. Right? It, it, it's, we're seeing people pull together rather than, well, you go here and I'll go there. You know what I mean? It, it, it's, uh, a lot of the stuff makes sense, right? When you think of the scenario and the situation that they are in, we're seeing these people do things that you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yes. Obviously, they would do that. Yeah, why wouldn't they do? Yes. Okay, nice. Alright, what's next? You know what I mean? So we get that. And I enjoyed that. It you know, it was good. It was good the way we see it. We get some good um interactions with the characters. Like we definitely believe that these people are the archetypes that we are told they are. You know? And they add a little depth to them for sure. Which definitely adds a punch as the film goes into some other places, right? It does fuck with you. Because it takes you in a place where you think, okay, great. So this is going to happen. Alright, I'm down with that. And then it flips it, right? It flips it. Because we get plenty of close calls early on. So then, when there's this moment when you think, okay, okay, so when are they gonna, what? And you're like, no, oh my god, no. And it's just like, whoa. And the way they do is the tease, the tease, the tease, boom. And that definitely, because you're no longer expecting it. You're no longer expecting the boom. So when you get hit with this shit, oh, definitely impactful, right? It, it's because we get the jumps, right? There's plenty of jumps in the film. You know, people appearing, like, oh, around the corner is this thing. Oh, there's no longer a thing. You know, we get a lot of these little shock surprises and stuff like that. So the way they build up the tension for this, a couple of these moments towards the end, very well played. Very well played. And then the very ending? Oh, shit. 
the very ending, because I think we're at a spot and we're like, okay, I wonder where the tri- how this leads into the next one, right? Because the story is at this point, so huh, I wonder where, and so then you get thrown this other thing. And you could say it's a little do sexy, but it also makes sense, right? You're kind of, when you're playing around with, you know, witches and shit like that, you're like, well, yeah, it wouldn't be that simple, right? Obviously, it wouldn't be totally simple. So the fact that they then tack this bit on, you're like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. And then they they feed you enough. Right, they feed you enough to play into the next film, which is great. And the thing with the next film, because you know, and it's no, it's no spoiler. The next film is a prequel, right? So we know certain stuff happens, right? So it's just a case of this next film will be showing us how. Right, so we get this little teaser, and yeah, it definitely gets you stoked for it. So, this film, people, hey, if you like a little jumpy jumpy, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and it's an 18, so it's, there's, there's blood, there's some gore, handled very well. It's not, you know, gore porn. Right, it's not gratuitous. It all works within the confines of the story, so we have all of that. It's yo, this is good. I very much enjoyed it. Very much enjoyed it. I still watched it during the day because I'm not a psycho. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, people, it's on Netflix. I recommend you check that shit out. You know. Because, yeah, there's part two is out. So we're going to try and take a look at that. Um, and then we'll get part three. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting into those people. I definitely am. And if you like, if you like a horror that makes sense, right? Great acting, you know, then I would say Fear Street 1994. Hey. That's for you, baby. That's for you. It seems to be a bit of a superhero week, right? There's a good few superhero um, kind of related films out. And films based on graphic novels and comic books, especially. So we're going to start this off with How I Became a Superhero. Right, the uh, new flick on Netflix. It is directed by, and um, he also co-wrote Douglas Attal. Right, um, his co-writers are Cedric Angar, uh, Melissa Godet, Charlotte Sanson, and Gerald Bronner. Um, and it's actually based on Bronner's own work, his own uh, book of the series. Um, so yeah, they all wrote it. Now it's um produced by Alain Attal. Um, I'd imagine a relation, Maria Jardilia, Emma Jukes, Philippe Lugi. 
Patrick Quinnett and Salavig Rawas. Music is from Adrian Prevost. Cinematography, Nicholas Lua. Uh, it's edited by Francis Vezin. Casting was Sandra Dradando. Um, production design, Jean-Philippe Marot. So, our cast... Um, one of our main characters, our, our main detective, is Gary Maru, and he is played by Poi Mame. Um, we then have um, his partner, Lieutenant Cecil Schutzman, who is played by Vimala Pons. Um, his friend Kalista is played by Lilal Bekati. Um, we've got Gigaman, who is played by Clovis Corneliak. Um, Boy Lily, who's played by Leone Sacord. Um, Monte Carlo, played by Benoit Polvador. Um, Psycho Luke, played by Camille Jappi. Um, I think they're our main ones, right? I think so. Um, there's a few, obviously there's some other people, but yeah, I can't pronounce the names. So we're going to leave it there. Oh, and Nadja, the main villain, I think that was, and that's played by Swan Alud. Okay. So, um, yeah. Now the, the, the gist of the piece is... Paris 2020. Superheroes are perfectly assimilated within society and want to be famous at all costs. A drug that gives superpowers to mere mortals is spreading all over town. Lieutenant Mau and Schwartzman are investigating a case with the support of two ex-superheroes, Monte Carlo and Callista. They'll do whatever it takes to dismantle the traffic. But Maru's past resurfaces and the investigation becomes more complicated. So at the very start of this, right, we see um, a magician kidnapped. Right? He, he's kidnapped because these, you know, there's a, there's a group that are... Using superheroes, siphoning off their powers and selling them like drugs. Right now, we this isn't really anything new. We've had this story told countless times in the Marvel universe. Right, it, it's been a part of X Men films. Um, it was a part of. I want to say season two of Daredevil, right? I believe it was that, or maybe it was, you know, in Luke Cage, but it was in one of the Netflix Marvel series. I think it also was a part of a S.H.I.E.L.D. 
um, storyline. You know, it's been around. But then, you know, apart from Marvel, we add Project Power. You know, the Jamie Foxx film on Netflix, which, hey, that was very good, right? And, um, yeah, that kind of featured the whole superhero drug kind of thing. So we've, we've got that, right? And kind of Major Grum. I mean, there's a se- comic book series that kind of deals with it. So it's an idea that's been done over and over again. So you want to... Hey, it was also a part of Dread, right? I believe Dread, that great film with Carlos Oden as um the judge. You know, that... That kind of featured a similar storyline So, you know, when these things come up You want, it needs to be done well Right, it, it, it needs to have a certain something about it And this, I think, I would say It's got the, the tools to help tell that story You know, it, it has some interesting elements But I, I, I think an issue is that they, like, they throw a lot of stuff in there, but they don't really flesh certain things out, right? They, they, they leave these gaps and stuff like that, right? So you have, um, when all of this is going down, right, Monroe, he, Maru, he, he kind of works solo, doesn't like to have a partner, but a partner is thrust upon him, I, you know, yes, we have seen this before, <laughs> you know, but we don't really know why the no partners, how he's been getting away with it for all of this time, and then when the new partner comes in, obviously, he's going to be a dick to her, right, so you you have all of this going on and him like try holding stuff off, being a lone wolf and all of that kind of malarkey. But then suddenly there's a shift and it, it's all of a like there's no clear thing to what changed his mind, right? And why he's suddenly being nice to his partner. So it does that kind of comes off as a little bit weird. Like, you're looking at him like, right, okay, but why? What's the story? You know? Like, you need that. And it does that a few times. Like, the the, the female cop, she, um, because they go and see his ex-partner, Kalista, who they don't, you know, she's running a kind of a youth centre. And they go and... They ask, he like, he asks her, oh, can you help? And she's just a bit like, um, I have no information. I don't even know, right? So she's not like, oh, I'm not helping. She's just like, I don't have that. I have no clue what's going down. And also, um, be good if you just don't barge in here, right? Which makes sense, but she's dealing with all of these kids, they don't want to be around the cops, right, so you kind of, you look at it from her point of view, and you're like, yeah, that all makes sense, right, but 
then the, later on in the film, he's all pissed at her, and he's a bit like, but what? Like, you're meant to be this smart cop, so how is it you can't figure out the best way to approach a, um, a, a youth helper? You read, it's, it's just like, huh, there's also, like, the youth center, she comes across some stuff, hears the kids talking, doesn't do anything about it. Right, and then later in the film, there's these ramifications, and you just be like, "Wait, how is it she wouldn't have looked into it? that? Makes no sense, right? It doesn't make any sense why she wouldn't do this thing, you know." But I think a big part of the film is on the conceit that Moreau has a certain way of thinking. Right, as a certain way of thinking about things, but then later in the film, this big secret is revealed, and you're just like, whoa, 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 okay, if you have this information, if this there is this thing going on that you're connected with, then why would you have acted in this certain way before? Right, it, like his behavior doesn't make any sense. Right, it's like the film suddenly does this one eighty turn, and it's like, okay, forget what we told you at the beginning. This is what's happening from this point onwards. So it feels very weird. Right, it's it's a weird transition, and I I, I just kind of felt that if they had handled it a bit better. Just finessed the information. You would have. There'd, there'd be more enjoyment from it. Well that's my point of view anyway. Like I would have really. I dug the story more. If certain beats. Made more sense. Right. And yes I get it. It's superheroes. It's sci-fi fantasy. But you, you you still want a story to be able to, you know, coalesce in a certain way where you're not like, well, that's a leap. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's a huge leap. Wait, that doesn't fit into that. What are they doing there? Right? You don't want to be doing that all the way through. You'll be like, okay, yeah, you can fly because of that. That makes sense. And, oh. That's your weakness. Okay, got it. Right? When you suddenly are saying, oh, someone's invulnerable. And then towards the end, you're like, actually, they have a weakness. It is this. You'd be like, wait, how would that only come up now? You know? And that's the kind of thing that this film was doing. You know, just introducing these bits and bobs that, again, made no sense. Right? You get information about, um, you know, Moreau's past, how it all fits in, but then you're kind of like, the, the way this thing happened, which supposedly traumatised Moreau a little bit, you're like, but that's clearly an accident, 
right? It, it didn't really make any sense why this thing would be so detrimental to him, right? There's the way it's displayed to you, the viewer, you're like, but that's clearly an accident. Like, no one could have predicted that to happen. You know, it is it's very weird in that respect. So you have all of these things going down that you're just like, but that doesn't really make that much sense, right? How how is that going down? Like what what's going down with that? You know, it's all a little bit hmm not sure. <laughs> and then you find out also, something about someone who he knew in the past, and you're just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. If you have so much guilt over this thing, why wouldn't you be doing more for this person, right? There's all of this stuff that you just, I don't know. I just felt that, you know, it's based on a... A, a graphic novel, I believe, right? Or just a book. One of the two. And you you get the sense that there's probably more information in that format. And they haven't brought everything across into the film. But it's like, oh, you, you needed more connective tissue here. Because what we're seeing is a foot. And the top part of the leg, but you're missing the bottom part of the leg. So it's just like, wait, how's that foot moving? That makes no sense. That's what it kind of is. I know, that's a weird analogy. I know it is, people. Leave me alone. But um, yeah, it, it just, you have all of these different parts, but they don't necessarily come together, right? It just, it feels very disjointed, you know, the film. But, as I said, look, it it has the potential to be something. But it just, it just doesn't quite land for me. Doesn't quite land for me, people. But, hey, maybe it will for you, right? It's, um... I don't know, you might want to look at it as kind of maybe Mystery Men-esque, right? But not quite. Um, I don't know, if you like superhero stuff, people, give it a look. But, yeah, it's not the same quality as... Some of the superhero fare that you might be enjoying. So, you know, it's on Netflix, right? On Netflix. So, yeah, you know, maybe give it a look, see what you think. Who knows? Okay? But yeah, how I became a superhero. There you go. Well, people, as promised, I checked out part two of Fear Street. You know, the um, 1978 installment, right? And, uh, yeah, you know, we, we get an insight into the big camp disaster. 
Bum, bum, bum. So once again, this is directed by Lee Janiek, who co-wrote it with Zach Olawex. Um, the story is by them, along with Phil Grazadi. Um, and again, you know, it's based on an R.L. Stein novel. It's produced by Peter Sherman, Jeno Toppin, and David Reddy. Cinematography is Caleb Heyman, edited by Rachel Goodlit Katz. Music is from Marco Beltrami and Brandon Roberts. And uh, yes, the film is starring. Sadie Sink, who plays Ziggy Berman, right, um, we've got Emily Rudd, who plays her sister, Cindy Berman, right, and Gillian Jacobs plays the older version of Ziggy, as a C. Berman, who we, you know, saw in part one. Uh, we've also got Ryan Simpkins, who plays Alice. Um, she's a friend of uh, Cindy's. Um, we've got Tommy Slater, who is played by McCabe Sly. And Tommy is Cindy's boyfriend. Uh, we've got the um, the younger version of Sherrick Nick Good, who we met in the first film, right? And that is played by Ted Sutherland, and also Ashley Zuckerman is seen as the older version of Nick in this. We have Nurse Mary Lane, played by Jordana Spiro. Uh, we've Got again, um, Kiana Madeira as Dina and Benjamin Flores Jr. as Josh, you know, there at the very beginning. Uh, we've got Olivia Scott Welsh as Sam Frazier, you know, who we met in the first. Um, Chiara Aurelia as Sheila, um, Jordan D. Natalie as Ruby Lane, Drew Shedd as Gary. Sam Brooks as Arnie, uh, Jackie Vin uh, as uh, Joan, Michael Provost as Kurt, uh, we've got Brandon Spink as the young Will Good, and Matthew Zook plays Mayor Good um, again in the piece. Uh, we've got Marcella LaBlanc as Becky, Eden Campbell as Annie, and Dylan Gage as Jeremy. Okay, so the gist of the piece is Shady Side, 1978. School's out for summer, and the activities at Camp Nightwing are about to begin. But when another Shady Sizer is possessed with the urge to kill, the fun in the sun becomes a gruesome fight 
for survival. Yeah, so um, coming into this one, it was all how are they going to get there, right? Because we know, okay, we this is a um a prequel as such, right? But how do we get back to nineteen seventy eight? And, um, you know, I, I think they handled that pretty well You know, we start, like, every, it all starts off with a little recap at the beginning It's one of those ones which you can skip if you want, right? But it's always, because it's not very long So don't ever worry about that It's a short one um, We then get into things, right? So we have, um, we're following... You know, um, the survivor, right? That's who we get to, um, follow in this one. You know, at the very start, anyway. You know, so we'll see Berman. And we're kind of, because, you know, she survived, right? So how? What happens? Like, what does she do? And we we get to see it's not great. You know what I mean? Like, it's not the life you necessarily want to be living. Uh, but, yeah, that's what she's doing, right? So we have her. And then we have, um, you know, Dina and Josh turn up. Right? Not spoilers. It's at the very, literally at the very start. But we get a little bit of a kind of, this happened in between the end of the last film and getting here. So we get a little bit of that. And she sits down to tell them some stuff. And that is our way in. You know what I mean? It, it, it's, like, it's a nice little vehicle. We saw it in The Hobbit. You've seen it in, you know, The Princess Bride. Like many a film and TV series. But it works, so why mess with it? So we're then at the camp, right? So we're seeing the, the different relationships. You know, we've got the... Uh, the Berman sisters who are very different. They don't necessarily get on. And it opens up literally with people very irritated with Ziggy. You know, so we, we, we see our lines here. All the relationships are basically set out. As well as, you know, we, we've got the sunny side and shady side Feuds. So all of this is here. And you know what? A thing I did like about this is because oftentimes when we have these films set at a, a kid's camp, right? You you're watching it and you're just like, these aren't kids, right? These are adults. <laughs> like, what is like I don't believe these are right, what what is happening here? This is weird, you know. Um, but this did feel like a bunch of, you know, crazy-ass kids. And then you had, like, the counsellors and then the um, attendees? The camp-goers? Whatever you would call the people, the kids at the camp. But we have them, right? Um, and, and, you know, you could see there's a difference in age there. So that all, it all works, right? all works. 
I have to say, I do enjoy the soundtrack, right? It, it reminds you of just stuff from back in the day, man. Like growing up, listening to some tracks. You know, so a lot of the tracks were you know before my time. It, it, it still you go to certain jams, right? Certain things you hear these stuff. Also, it's just like there's a lot of samples that come from some of this stuff. You know what I mean? So it's just like if you grew up digging in the crates. Like, you know these songs. So, yeah, it is kind of, you know, it is kind of fun to have the soundtrack work so well. And we do believe in these characters. You know, they, they, I mean, nothing crazy is done here. Like, we're not having the wheel reinvented or anything like that. But it's handled well. Right there, the pettiness, right, that you can see sometimes in these situations, that's there, the competitiveness, it, it's, it's all for you to, you know, to soak in, and uh, yeah, it, it, it's written well, it's acted very well, so that's all fun, the first film was probably... More on the action side. This is more of a, I, you know, I want to say murder mystery, but it's not so much because we know who the who the uh, combatants are, as it were. You know, what I mean? like none of that is really hidden away, but it is more of a a, a slower paced piece, right? We're kind of um. What it's more, I'd say, like it's not that the first one wasn't character driven, but this one is very much on just the relationships, and we're seeing how the chips fall. Because essentially, you know a big chunk of this story, I or you know how it should, you know, end, right? We've had the talk on it. In the first episode, so you know there was a bit of a bloodbath here, right? So you're you're seeing that, and you see how it all unfolds, which is, uh, yeah, you know, we saw some interesting deaths and all of that, right? And and I would say, you know, people do act how you'd kind of expect them to. If a uh, a maniac arrived in your camp, right? It'd be a bit of a shock, right? So, um, yes, all of that, it, it's believable. You're sucked in. You're buying it. I, there was a lot of, oh, I wish I never did this to you. There was a lot of that, right? Which is fine. It didn't, it didn't necessarily ruin the film, but it was very heavy on the, oh, I repent, I repent, you know what I mean? Which is, yeah, it, it, it can get a little played out, right? So there was that aspect of it. Uh, we then have, you know, because, again, right, the, the story has to go a certain way. So you're seeing how, you know, Berman survives, right? Which it's an interesting one because everything that went down, you are a little like, oh, 
And there is a bit, right, because we have been kind of given the the blueprint, right, why someone might get attacked. So we see that, but then there is another attack, and you're just like, yeah, the other attack at the end isn't as clear why. You know, like the first film it shows, if you have the blood of that person on you, like, yeah, that can do it. But that didn't seem to be the case in this one. Right. So there is that. Which, which did make you go, huh? What one with that? You know what I mean? But, uh, yeah. You know, it, it still wasn't bad. And we then get a clue on how this can end. Right? We, we get that clue. So, it, 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 it makes for an interesting third film. Right? Because, you know, the film ends with the setup. Right? We get the setup. We get a little look into the event for part three, so it it seems that yeah, there's a, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of transportation. You know, it, there's gonna be stuff that needs to get explained. How the fuck this all happened, right? So it does make you curious, right? Because I would say you know part one ends in a way that definitely you know like. Oh shit, what next? You know, and part two is a little more sedate, right? Little more sedate. So the end is that pull factor. The end is that thing that you're like, okay, how the fuck do you get to this? Right? I, I need to see how you get to this. And then do, do, do you know? Essentially, in this, we we see them with the pieces, and kind of put the pieces together. So you're like, okay, so will that work, right? Because we don't actually know if it worked, right? So we need to see, does that work, right? Well, is that the curse? What's happening? You know, so. I think the third film, there's a lot resting on it, because it's got to tie this together, but, you know, as I said, look, we've seen a lot of the pieces put together here, so you don't want this long diatribe, and then, a, a, a you know, two seconds of, boom, 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 the end, you know, for the future time, because that would just be a bit like, what? You know, so, yeah, I, I think there's a lot now resting on the third film to really land the, uh, no, it's to really nail the landing. I was going to be really land the landing, but I didn't make, yes, it's really nail the landing. So, yes, we will see. So, I think this is it, 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 an interesting film, right? It is a bit more sedate than the first one. We do kind of go down an octave or two. Right? But the story, 
still fun. There's still a lot going on. I think with the amount of people in the camp, we we do get a lot of cannon fodder. But still, the main characters, you know, you want to find out what happens with them. So still not bad, right? So it's on Netflix, Fear Street, and nineteen seventy eight. And now we just wait for the last part, 1966, to hit on Friday, people. So, yeah, go check it out. Go check the first one out. Um, Yeah, definitely fun. Yeah, I, I think fun is the word that you would put with these films. Okay, people, so that's it. That's part one for you. We're going to be back straight away. So, people, the episode is already there. Go check it out. Part two, we bring you three other films, very good ones. Black Widow is going to be one of them, people. So, uh, yeah, mosey on over and enjoy. Yeah.